Welcome to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. This week, we will be playing For the Queen by Alex Roberts. If you like what we do here and want to get involved, follow us on Twitter at Game Woven, where you can join our Discord and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamewoven. <laughs> to encroach upon her realm. Ernette's warrior queen travels north along with the four people closest to her, each of whom love her. Her favorite general has been by her side since childhood, raising her on tales of glory and applesauce. The silver-tongued Selene is her closest advisor, trusted to manage the affairs of state. Affairs of a personal nature, however, are placed in the care of Sir Perrin, who served her late parents so well. As did Karen, their face necrotically maimed, for which they were given the honor of bearing the Queen's scroll of lineage. It is a burden he bears alongside the truth Sir Perrin shared with him. The Queen had her own parents killed. And together they journey north, into the Undying Empire, none quite ready to ask the inevitable question. When the Queen is under attack, will I defend her? Oh... And she likes ducks. And ducks like her. That didn't fit the tone of the intro because it sounds like a joke, but it's actually true. Uh, Dylan? Yes? When was the last time the queen showed you real kindness? The day after she told me the truth about what happened to her parents. I guess she knew that that secret was bigger than all of the other ones I carried. And I think I didn't hide very well my disdain for that choice. And so, while she didn't offer me a seat in the court, she did send a fine meal to my chambers the next morning and a note with her actual seal on it from her in her handwriting not one of her chambermaids not a soldier her pen it wasn't much just said thank you for your service and that she would see me on the journey but that was more than I ever got before. So, I thought it was very kind. So, potential curveball. Okay. You might hate me for this. Get it. I think General Constantine, who has spent so much time with our queen, I'm with you today, we'll get there. 
But I think he's gotten pretty good at mimicking her handwriting. Mm. So I think maybe looks like Malcolm Constant Constantine's last name. Malcolm Constantine. General Malcolm. Yeah, that's a good name. I like that name. Sure. You don't know it, but he's the one that sent that letter. And since then, he's not exactly friendly, but he is just kind of check in every now and again, you know, mm-hmm. making sure you're keeping those secrets. <laughs> Though he doesn't say it. If that's fine. It, no, it's great. You could keep the actual kindness if you want that to just stay that. Um, no, 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 no. I think that Sir Perrin holds to that kindness for quite a while and believes in it wholeheartedly for a very long time, even though Constantine is basically becoming more of a shadow each day. It's all right, because of that, no. Well, all right then. Why did it have to make it sadder? <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You think of someone in this retinue as the queen's favorite. Who? What makes you think this? You know, I think we just, just talked about that. It might be Sir Perrin, because she tells Sir Perrin all of her secrets. Some of the ones even I don't know. Me, the one who practically raised her. The one who was willing to kill for her. Yeah, I definitely think Constantine is where Perrin, not just because you know all the secrets, because you're you're the queen's favorite. And, you know, maybe I just don't think you're good enough for her. This feels a little weird. Uh Uh-oh. I would love to hear the general confiding that to Celine, because that feels like a conversation that would happen. I do like that. I would also love to hear that if you're up for it. Oh, no. Since we're traveling, this might be one of the times we have to, like, rough it in the woods or, like, by a campfire, maybe. Most are asleep. I'm awake on watch. And maybe Celine's also awake for whatever reason. Yeah. Celine, have a seat. It's been a while since we just talked. Yeah, it's normally not without reason, so I suppose there's something that's concerning you? Yes, yes, it's, um, Sir Perrin. What do you think of him? I think he does good work. Yes, but what of him? As a as a person? Is he trustworthy? The Queen seems to put a fair amount of trust into them. Yes, the Queen does seem to think highly, Sir Perrin. But do you think she can make such a rash decision? I have had more than one conversation with the Queen about the state of Sir Perrin. And my opinions do not do enough to dissuade her. But I feel Perrin may be a threat to the Queen. So we agree. Yeah. I try to keep my personal feelings out of the Queen's affairs. It is my job, after all. But I don't know. Something about Sir Perrin just... I'm normally not one to be wrong on a hunch is all. I've learned to trust my gut as well over time. 
and I think the queen would forgive us if we were to make a decision without discussing it with her first. I don't think the queen would take too kindly to that, actually. One thing I've noticed in all of my advising is the amount of times where we've had to cut a discussion, a session short, for her to go converse with Sir Pear. And have I voiced my disdain or my distrust enough times that the queen would be worried if something were to happen? Probably. So, all we can do is wait and see what happens. And we shall wait. Let's just hope the queen realizes it faster than she currently is. And see. <laughs> Watching Dylan's reactions. <laughs> I'm just a fly on the wall, babies. That's, that's all. That's all. <laughs> is the royal advisor a little bit of a hater? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's her job. Okay. With that. Dare? I got another little prompt for you, Dare. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is someone else in this retinue you love, besides the queen. How and why are you keeping it a secret? Oh, I have oh so many God, angles I could take this from. You do. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is the good good. It does not matter what you say. I love the answer. Oh, I know it. I know the messiest answer. Oh my god. It's Sir Perrin. It is Sir Perrin. Oh my god, do it. As this is uh, an audio medium, I wanted to make it clear to the audience there was men there was a whole lot of fist pumping. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason why I'm keeping a secret is it's unprofessional, ultimately, but my feelings are already torn between my love of the queen as well. And I will not be able to do my job correctly if I am too busy agonizing over both of the people that I'm uh, in love with, conversing and talking without me interrupting my sessions with the queen to go talk to each other. That does not produce good work for me. I'm keeping a secret because I'm the royal advisor. I have a very tightly bound book that I keep all of my notes that are confidential by law. I'm allowed to indulge myself and write about how much I notice her parent, just as much as I notice the queen. These are for my eyes only. And it's not easy. It's, it is so painful to see the two people you are in love with without you. But I'm an advisor and my duty is to the country first and my feelings second. I have a question for you, Dare. Yeah. Because you have sort of, now we know, manifested this feeling as a sort of distrust for Sir Perrin's relationship with the Queen. Has there ever been a time where you've let Sir Perrin see that distrust? Part of me says I'm, I'm very good at keeping a, a very tight expression. Mm-hmm. If you were to notice it, you would have to be noticing my mannerisms pretty 
play consistently to okay. know the ways that the exact tones and the exact way I raise my eyebrows that are more than just my job. Okay. So Sir Perrin is totally unaware either way. Perfect. Okay. Amazing. Hey, this is a great game. I love this game. <laughs> hey, Alex Roberts, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Bless. you've Bless. given me so much joy over the years. <laughs> it sparks joy. So much type two fun that you've provided me over the years. I appreciate you for that. This is my first game from Alex Roberts. I don't, I do not know their pronouns, so I don't want to uh, say the wrong one. But I am definitely gonna Google them after this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Rob. I keep saying your name weirder and weirder every time. What do you do for the queen that anyone else can do? And why does she make you do it? I was actually just thinking about this because we've established her parent, not the most observant, maybe, about some things. <laughs> I think I am the person that the queen sends to, like, greet and walk through the castle. Because, first of all, it's a status move. Like, I'm not sending my advisor or my general. I'm sending the scroll bearer. But also, I think that as someone who very much not from the world of courtly politics, Karen is a lot better at reading people. And, and is, so is the person that when they finish greeting the new person, this, this delegate from the other land and, and comes back to the queen, is like, they are lying out their teeth, or this person is so vapid. Nothing they say matters. And since the queen's parents were still in charge, has been the person to just sit and observe and then say what they saw. Cool. I do want to shoot a question your way, though. Yeah. We've thought it was just multiple scroll bearers. Do you think the scrolls are magic, or are they just like, you just, just big old, big old scroll that you manually write in? I feel like the mundanity of it, right? Because in, in, in that, there's that kind of flex of wealth where like you do something in the most difficult way possible mm. to show you can, right? Like it'd be really easy to magically inscribe a scroll with all this but it's much more expensive, much more prestigious. It means a lot more to have someone transcribe it. Yeah, it's the difference between like getting like handmade, like hand-sewn clothing or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, no, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's not magically protected. It's not magically made. It is a massive piece of paper, <laughs> and that is it. And that is part of the like mystique of it. I dig that a lot. Or thanks. <laughs> okay. Dylan. Lovely Dylan. Yes. Hello. Oh, no. You get the best one. You saw the queen do something terrible to keep the retinue safe. What was it? Did you come to respect her more or less afterward? Tell us about this war crime, Dylan. 
it was late or early, depending on your concept of time. We had stopped for a rest and we were supposed to be keeping watch while she slept. But I messed up. I fell asleep. I was too tired and I had too many thoughts in my head and I was not even thinking of her because I was still angry to be totally honest. And so I fell asleep and I woke up to the sound of her bow, which has been for show for a couple of years. I'm glad I was the first one to wake up though. That woman was not undead. It was just too early and the light was not right. And it's been a long time since the queen had to fight anyone like that. She didn't know. I am confident that she didn't know. She thought it was undead. She was protecting all of us. That's the end of it. We're not telling anyone. Hmm. Okay. I just want to let that one breathe. <laughs> okay. So I got a prompt for me. There is a false rumor about you and the queen back at the royal court. What is it and how did it start? Hmm. We're so different in age. It's not going to be a romance scandal or anything. At least I hope not. There's murders we could have plotted. Oh. I got one. So, rumor has it that the previous queen and I, we were very close. Something even really close that they, and like, this is like dumb, visible things that make me and the queen look a little similar, you know? But it's like, it's unfounded. There's no, there's no proof. And I definitely don't believe it. No, I never bothered to confirm or deny. But you know, she's like my daughter, okay? Different. You can copy her handwriting almost exactly. I can do that, yeah. Well enough to trick me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, unfounded rumor. Delicious. Anyway, hey, Dare. So the queen is not your queen. Why do you serve her anyway? I think when I was young, I traveled here with my family from somewhere far off seeking something better. And I think my family were still loyal to whoever we previously were under. And when we first got here, there was fighting. I think we weren't the only family that came here at the same time. And there was fighting about that. And I, I think upon seeing her in battle, knew that she was someone who was willing to fight for her people and that inspired me to want to not only serve her but to join her retinue and help her do her job as best as she can love that 
been long enough. I think we should take this opportunity to maybe name the queen. Yeah. I have had a baby name site open for a good chunk of time. I am thinking Blythe. I just like it. No particular reason. If you don't like it, other options are totally awesome. I'm Blythe. Blythe? I love that name. Also, I have a friend named Blythe. Shout out to our Blythe in the chat. You, you beat me to it. Shout out to Blythe. Shout out to Blythe. I like Blythe. That's a very sweet name. Sweet name for a great person. Just, just the best. For a complicated <laughs> lady. Rab. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Rob, you arranged for the queen to be ambushed on this journey. What did they offer you? The timing of her parents' death was very specific. You understand. The Undying Empire is a very large, very archaic place and it prefers to have people bend the knee and become part of that structure right war is taxing and expensive and messy and fealty is so much easier and well our parents were ready the documents were signed the arrangements were set kingdom would have been as it was some taxes to a new higher ruler a few people sent to become part of the undying regime is that so bad looking in the mirror seeing my own face conversations these undying empire people they seem so reasonable why have we been fighting all this time? So I gotta ask. Yeah. Rob, are you like yeah. a vampire's thrall? Is that what's happening here? You tell me. <laughs> I think you're a vampire's thrall, Rob. That might be it, yeah. That might be what's up. We really should have investigated why your face never healed. That was That might have been good. We should, yeah. have, we you should know? have looked into it a bit. We hey. did just say, huh. I guess that's what happens. Well, <laughs> vampire stuff. Who understands those guys? Who, who, who even knows? I definitely feel like I wasn't always. I feel like definitely I was loyal. Was. What if it's that we're getting closer oh. in proximity to that undead magic that rests in the wound on your face? I like that. Mm. So as we get closer to the Linden Empire, the more and more you question your loyalty. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I love it. Tastes like apple sauce. Okay. Dylan. Yes. You saved the queen's life once. How? The ambush on this journey. I didn't know where it came from. I certainly didn't know who could have known what path we were taking. But while the first one was not undead, that was an accident. The second people we came across, they were 
and they surprised us, and I don't understand how they could have surprised us. I threw myself across her and got myself a scar, one that's not unlike Karen's. But we killed them, or at least me and Constantine killed many of them. Celeste, I think, I saw fighting one off. Karen, I could have sworn I saw him just standing there. But we killed them. Any of us. So, the wound you got. Mm-hmm. I think there's two options here for what kind of wound it was. Yeah. Someone there was a vampire and you were bitten. Or someone there was wielding some kind of bronze weaponry. I think it is not like a bite. It is like a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like a slash. But the wound does necrotize. Like it's yeah. that it's like a magic like energy that 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 causes this damage. It's not on my face in the same position. It's like down my neck, but it looks kind of the same where you can like see a little bit through to the flesh. And it like stays in that halfway healed state of being as we travel on. Okay. Yeah, I think in that case, that scar does linger. And if Karen makes it to one day be a parent, you might even notice that scar lingers on in the same spot on your children and your children's children, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see indeed. We love the brazen here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no, my turn again? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, the queen lights a fire in you. What is it? Hmm. I mean, does the queen think if this was an inside job? Ooh, that's a good question. If we think she would think that. No, I don't think she thinks it's an inside job, because I think that she thinks she has all of our undying loyalty. Who here would even possibly consider the foolish act of betraying her? So, I think the thing that grabs Constantine's attention is that even though we're pretty sure this ambush was by the Undying Empire, we're still going. She refuses to be scared off from our from our goal of getting aid from them because the main thing of this is that wherever we're going, we want help from them to stop something. Probably a war. Maybe with other neighbors aside from the Undying Empire. Maybe we have some kind of necrotic issue that their necromancers might be able to fix. But either way, we need to get to them to help her people. And no matter how violent she might be, she still loves her people. So above all else, we need to get them help. So I think that like reignites my fervor to help her on this journey and get her there safely and by whatever means. I like that. Yes, let's go. It's for the ducks. Dare. 
You suspect this journey isn't just about diplomatic negotiations. What else do you believe is going on and why? This isn't about diplomacy because the queen is here. Normally, if this is about diplomacy, it's just me. This is about sending a message to the Undying Empire. And I'm here to smooth over anything so it does turn into an all-out bloodbath. And I don't know on which side would win that war, and I quite frankly don't want to find out. But the queen has always been ambitious and very proud of herself. And I'm afraid of what that means for everyone. Okay. Alright. You know, when Blythe isn't being the worst, I love Blythe. I do love her sometimes. I think I love her more the most. <laughs> I think that that's true. Oh, hey, Rob, we got a question for you. Yeah. Though we already have part of the answer to this. What brings out the queen's kindness other than ducks? She's surrounded herself by with a lot of people like me and the, who, who make these harsh judgments. And she makes them as well. But I think that feeling of being challenged because to challenge someone you have to respect what their position is you have to understand them to some degree right she doesn't want to be questioned in front of other people but I think for her kindness is a bit of honesty and truth in a weird way it's maybe cherry picked but there's a give and take there that you can't have with someone who doesn't respect and know and love you. So, Dylan. Yeah. Oh, what did you bring with you that endangers the queen? Me. If I'm being honest with anyone here, I think Karen probably knows by now. I don't know if anyone else does, but knowing what she did to the king and queen that I swore myself to, that we all did, I thought I could get over it, but something along the way, something burns like this scar on my neck burns and wants her to pay. I thought I had let it go, but it is getting harder to ignore. I almost ask Karen if he feels it too, but I think it's safer for us both if we don't ever answer that question. Okay. And I think with that, it is time for the final question of um, for the queen, which is always the same one. Okay. The queen is under attack. Do you defend her? We all answer this one. I think that my wound was fresher than yours. But when 
the queen was under attack, I felt the instinct in me to join them. And then I saw it in your eyes first. And I didn't want you to go out like that. So I fought everything and I grabbed you and ran. Not far, just far enough. The attack is behind us. I throw you against the first tree I see. I say, and I pull the like, collar of my shirt back to show that like, as we've gotten closer to the city, the scar has like grown and necrotized more and it is not the way that it would have been if we were in the city that yours on your face is grown. We don't do this. This isn't the end for us. We go, we go far from here, from this city, from our city. We find some place where the magic that's on us right now doesn't touch and we just start over. There. That's what happens. Okay? That's what happens. Karen's hand kind of pushes a bit of hair out of your face. Karen, I, I've wanted. And then we hear a set of footsteps and dressed in far more filigreed armor than is necessary. We see a a higher officer, a full-blooded vampire, step out and almost switching our positions, Karen will push Sir Perrin away out of view as the sentence falls from his mouth and the look in his eyes goes blank and he just says I serve the Empire in that like last moment before you go blank the muffled sound of Sir Perrin repeating and describing this life in the countryside this bed and breakfast in like a desperate attempt to just paint one final memory of something different than this before his jaw falls slack as well. I think Constantine always knew that this is how he would go, defending his queen. But I think instead of prioritizing dying with glory, he does prioritize helping Blythe escape along with Celine. If Celine is still here with us or is, which Constantine assumes Celine would do anything for Blythe because he's seen the looks he's always known. And if he had to pick someone between Perrin and Celine, his vote goes to Celine. But 
he stands in like a doorway being one person goes blocking the whole way and um he doesn't say much of anything he just looks at Celine and nods hoping they understand I do I defend the queen with my life I am not a fighter by trade but I have two daggers and a lifetime of magic and that's enough my purpose is getting her to safety and I know we lost today's fight but we can we will defend those we will honor and avenge those we've lost but all that matters today is getting back home and I will be her guide for once I will follow or I will walk ahead of her so I think that you do successfully escape can I can I throw a little something oh Yes, Rob. I wanted to make it contingent on one question. Okay. Constantine. Mm -hmm. When Sir Perrin and Karen are the people you have to kill in that doorway, do you think you can do it? Or do you hesitate just long enough for their mindless bodies to kill you first? My question that I want to add to Rob's question to add more pain is that when Celine is met with the animated body of Sir Perrin, how does she cope? And is she able to attack without falter? I think Constantine does his best to take that decision away from Celine and just block the whole doorway and force her to run and keep Blythe safe. At least that's what his goal. If you have something else you want to do, obviously, you can tell him to go fuck himself. I think there's a part of me that's always known that there was a chance that something could have... I would have had to make a choice between Sir Perrin and Blythe. And I think there's a part of me that I have always prepared for this contingency. And with tears in my eyes... I think there's a soft utterance of a well-wishing of safe travels for Sir Perrin before I do what needs to be done. Just to clarify, you specifically pray for safe travel. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So, for our guests here, you may not know, the Undying Empire, there is a god we have established, the goddess of travel. So if you guys think that would have any effect on the outcomes of things, please speak up now, or forever hold your peace. I think that just in like a flash, as Sir Perrin dies, the light comes back to his eyes, and he's just barely able to make out. Thank you. Good Karen, and is out. I think I need to then leave it into Constancy's hands. What happens to Karen? Oh, you're right. Oh, you're correct. Although, I will say, I think the undead controlled tactics is I don't take out my shield. I hold the scroll out in front of you so that you have to slash it so, I think 
the sadder ending for Perrin, I think, here. Perrin does not die, but Perrin does witness the death of Karen. With the blessing of the Traveler God, you are given your freedom just long enough to see Constantine and Karen with the words, for the queen. And I think that that prayer was earnest enough. I think he might even survive this encounter and escape. But you have to live with this. You take this event with you on all of your travels, wherever you may go. I only have one place to go. Countryside. I mean, Aaron had an estate ready. Just never got to retire. Though I do think, on your way out, I do think you get a killing blow Constantine, perhaps. No, no thanks. Incredible. Amazing. And I think with that, listeners, we come to the end of our adventure this evening. I hope you all enjoyed For the Queen. Mm. <laughs> Did you guys have fun? Play it. Ooh. Play, Play it. this game, please. This game is always incredible. And it's there's so many time. hacks of it in different settings and stuff. True. They're all so good. Yeah. I'm going to recommend just out loud For the Queers. For the queen. The very queer yes. one yes. Uh, done by my friend CJ Scholastic Dragon. Oh, I love Scholastic Dragon. CJ is the best. Yeah, that is a good one. Wait, no. I think I've talked to them like once, maybe. I get a lot. There's a lot of names on Twitter. I get everyone confused. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of handles to, to memorize. So yeah. many people. Mm-hmm. You know what? Two places you should also go superdillon.com and dare to dream rpg on itch.io yes for some also incredible games that you know we love indie games on this podcast yeah it's true dare makes some of the most beautiful games you will ever play dare's games are meant to be played with people you love you gotta play dare's games with people who just make your heart feel warm and it's so worth your time. I cannot recommend her games enough. I, I will never, ever shut up about them. Yes. Yeah, go go play her games. I was going yes. to say, look at yes. Dylan's games. They're so incredible, and there's so many. <laughs> and, like, the creativity for all of the, like, game jams and, like, quick, hey, here's a one-pager I made. That amount of creativity is boundless, and I, I am in awe every day. We love to see this. Yes. (laughs) It was so great having both of our guests here. It was great having Rob, too, but I see him a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to GameWoven. Please give us a follow on Twitter at GameWoven. Join the Discord, support us on Patreon, and consider leaving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or whatever host you normally use. This week's episode featured Rob at Robbie Rolling on Twitter, Dylan at Super Dylan on Twitter, that's S-U-P-E-R-D-I-L-L-I-N, Dare at Dare to Dream RPG, that's D-A-R-E, the number two, D-R-E-A-M RPG. And finally, myself, Lex Olden, 
at callmethey on Twitter. That is call underscore me underscore they. Thanks for listening.